0: Tonight, can we expect a tonal shit from Discovery season 3? Lots and lots of Star Wars news on this May the 4th. And a, and Universal is in a spat with many theater chains. All this and more on this edition of Multiverse tonight. Comic books, sci-fi, fantasy, and more. If you're looking for a roundup of geeky news, You're in the right place. This is Multiverse Tonight. And here's your host, Thomas Townley. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 74 of Multiverse Tonight. May the 4th be with you. It's Star Wars Day as I'm recording this. So uh, I don't know about any of you listening outside of the United States, but here things are starting to open back up a bit. Uh, Spring fevers kind of set in and uh, that's not caused by COVID that is. Uh, People are getting out, they're fishing, they're camping, and some businesses are starting to open back up with qualifications like uh, social distancing, masks, cleaning routines, and so forth. I just wish they'd they'd let the hair salons open yet, but I need a haircut. But anyway, let's get on with the Star Trek news. Alex Kurtzman is someone who can be seen as a devil or saint, depending on who you ask. He's partially responsible for the first two J.J. Trek movies, and then he's the co-creator of Discovery. Now he's the head of the Star Trek franchise, so we might as well get to know him. The man sat down with the Star Trek Picard Official Collector's ma- Edition magazine from Titan and opened bu- up about how Trek has taken over his life and his hopes that the great bird Jane Roddenberry would be proud of what he's done about how involved with the shows he is and he's in deep saying quote i very much enjoy it my involvement it's not just in the writing of it i post all the shows so that means i cut them and i'm involved all the way down to the color timing and mixing that's a lot of work but i'll show you how i enjoy it my wife and son actually deliberately like to stay out of any knowledge of what i'm doing until it airs so when it airs we all sit down and watch together and i see it fresh through their eyes which is really fun because it's the culmination of all the work and now we get to sit together as a family and enjoy it. And, in a funny way, isn't that what Star Trek has always been about? People sitting together as a family and loving it? I'm not at the point where I'm eating, breathing, dreaming Star Trek, and I love it. I love it for one reason. The work itself is very challenging, but it's also some of the most satisfying work I've ever done. And I think that the reason why is because I'm recognizing and seeing in so many people that I met, meet how critically important it is to their lives. I see that Star Trek has influenced people's lives in a real way. It's not just a form of entertainment, it's an inspiration for the kind of people they want to be, or the kinds of things they, can, can, they choose to pursue in their careers, or the, the principles they want to live by. That's put such tremendous responsibility on our shoulders, to deliver and to maintain that message." Unquote. And what would he do if he could somehow meet Gene Ronberry, who died way back in 1991? Quote, It's funny. I think about that, actually, probably more frequently than I should, he laughed. I hope that he recognizes that, well, first of all, he'd probably take issue with me for the amount of conflict the characters have. I know that was a big thing he struggled with on Next Gen. But my hope would be that he would recognize now, from his grand perspective in the sky, how much that opened the door for Star Trek's endurance, and how much it's reiterated and changed and yet has remained. I believe very true to his vision, there isn't really a day that goes by when we don't think very consciously about how he would want the messaging of Star Trek to go. And is what we're doing consistent with the messaging of Star Trek as he envisioned it? It's really important to all of you, all of us. I hope he would appreciate it. I hope he would be proud, unquote. You can pick up that magazine on Amazon right now. And uh, while we're talking, you know, Star Trek and Discovery, season three of Discovery will see a tonal shift for the series, according to Jonathan Frakes. Speaking with comicbook.com, quote, Discovery is primarily to do with Sneakwa's character, as you'll see. At the end of season 2, we flash forwarded I think 100 I think 930 years. Michael Burnham has found a new core, not to mention a new partner in crime. So again, there's a big tonal shift on that show. Less driven by the pain and guilt of her past and more about the magical reunification of the discovery crew and whether she and wherever she went off to, God knows where she went as the red angel. So those two things coming back together is very much the theme and how grateful everyone is and what's next. It's got a lot of action, adventure, and not so much pain, unquote. Now, that partner in crime she was referring, he was referring to is uh, a new character played by David Ajala named Book. By the way, uh, about Riker's appearance at the end of Picard, Frake's appearance was filmed on a redressed Discovery Bridge in Toronto while he was busy directing one of his third season episodes. No idea of when Discovery Season 3 will show up, but, by now, most of those people who have canceled their subscriptions would really like to know. You know, kind of helps with that budgeting. Well, they say lawsuits never die. A while back, a district court ended the copyright lawsuit against Comic Mix's Oh, The Places You'll Boldly Go, a parody of Dr. Seuss's Oh, The Place You'll Go, uh, which is, you know, a common book that has given out graduations to uh, many uh Unwilling seniors, I'm sure. That federal district court judge back in March of last year ruled that it was a parody And did make fair use of copyright material. Well now it's gone to the next level and that's the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals And they're right now hearing the appeal. Now there are two big issues in the case. One, what is fair use? And two, what effect does fair use have on the potential market? Now, there's a great article on the Hollywood Reporter about this, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes. And when a decision is handed down, I'll let you know. Now, let's go on to the Star Wars news. Now, again, as I record this, it's May the 4th, Star Wars Day, so may the 4th be with you. And surprise! The Rise of Skywalker was released on d- to Disney Plus a couple of months early, just in time for the annual uh, May the 4th Geek Holiday. The Rise of Skywalker made more than a billion dollars worldwide. An impressive feat for any film, however, the film was the, lowest, the least profitable of the sequel trilogy, even lower than Rogue One, but higher than Solo. Now, we also have some breaking news. StarWars.com has announced that Academy Award winner Tika Watiti. We will be directing and co-writing a new Star Wars feature film with Oscar nominated writer Christy Wilson Carnes. And in addition to that news, they also announced that Emmy nominated writer Leslie Headland is currently developing a new untitled Star Wars series for Disney Plus. Headland will write, executive produce, and serve as the showrunner for the series. The Cassian Andor series is busy staffing up. This time, they've added actress Genevieve O'Reilly and Denise Gaug to the pre Rogue One based base show. O'Reilly will play the same role she played in the movies, Monmothma. Mon yeah, that's, a, that's a mouthful. Ms. Gaug's character is still unknown. There is still no start date for production, but the series has had some shifts behind the scenes. The Hall Reporter has learned that Tony Gilroy, a co-writer of the Rogue One movie, will now showrun the show, replacing Stephen Schiff. Gilroy also will direct the first couple of episodes. Now, are you a PlayStation 4 owner? You've been given a caution flag on the last lap, because last last episode I told you about the, the Star Wars Episode One Racer coming to PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch on May 12th. Well, now PlayStation owners won't get that game until may 26th asper has posted on twitter about the delay saying quote we have an update on the launch of star wars episode one racer unfortunately we just learned that we have will have to delay the game on on playstation 4 until may 26th unquote now no reason for that delay was given but it sounds more like it's on playstation's end than uh aspire's end now the world might be in a state of shutdown and restart right now. can am mixing the two, but work does continue on The Mandalorian Season 2. Director Rick uh, Famua told uh, Variety that, quote, We've been hunkered down in the post-process. It's been a challenging and great experience so far, but it's good to have that to take my mind away from the daily madness that we're living in at the moment, unquote. Now Season 2 is due out on Disney+. Plus. In October, and uh, while we're on the Mandalorian, the merchandising train is going full speed. Uh, my Walmart even has a little the child uh, handheld uh, toy that's about the, that's about the like th- oh I'd say about two or two the three feet high that you can hold. Really cute. Now also on the they have come out with. Star Wars The Mandalorian The Child Edition of Monopoly with The Child full face on the box. Now, the game pieces are all of The Child and you will bu- you will play by buying and selling hideouts and common houses and using Camtono and Bounty Puck cards. Now, the game will retail for $19.99. Now, uh, if you're a VR fan, the VR game Vo- Vader Immortal is coming to PlayStation VR this summer. All three episodes will be available for one individual purchase, giving fans the, experience to, uh, the, the chance to experience Vader Immortal in its entirety. A canonical part of the Star Wars galaxy, Vader Immortal, is a cinematic narrative adventure connected to the s- events of Star Wars Secrets of the Empire, also produced by Lab, and is set between Star Wars Revenge of the Sith and Star Wars A New Hope. And that takes us out of the Star Wars news. Let's get on with some geek news. Now, Chris Pine obviously needs something to do. Uh, Why not another franchise? Mr. Pine is currently in negotiations to star in a reboot of The Saint, based on the 1920s book series, which was turned into a 1960s series starring Roger Moore, pre-James Bond. And a 1997 film starring Val Kilmer, which I actually own the soundtrack. I love that movie. Uh, The story is about Simon Templar, a.k.a. The Saint, a Robin Hood-type character who travels the world. The film will be uh, directed by Dexter Fletcher and is written by Seth Graham Smith. Paramount sees this movie as a potential start to a Mission Impossible-type movie series. Now, no idea when production would start. And speaking of Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible 7 has been, well, pushed back four months from July 23rd to, uh, to July, tw- from July 23rd, 2021 to November 19th, 2021. The July 23rd date will now be given to the sci-fi film The Tomorrow War starring Chris Pratt, which had originally been set to open this December. The moving of Mission Impossible has also bumped Dungeons & Dragons to May 27th, 2022. Mission Impossible 8 has also been moved away from November 4th, 2022 to August 5th, 2022. So it actually got bumped up a few, a couple months. Now AMC theaters, when they open up, well, not everything will be in the theater. They won't be showing anything from Universal Pictures. First, AMC has announced that unless it has new product to show, it's not going to open any of its theaters, which seems to be a sentiment that's carried over uh, to other theater chain owners. AMC is also in dire straits right now, as their debt load might cause the theater chain to have to declare bankruptcy if it can't avoid avoid it. However, when they do open, they won't be showing anything from Universal, as AMC CEO, Adam Aaron, announced in a published letter to Universal, excuse me, Universal Chairman Donna Langley, the source of this TIFF, Trolls World Tour. Yeah, that silly Trolls movie was originally going to be sent to theaters like all big movies, but instead was shunted to digital downloads when the pandemic caused theaters to close. And it's been a big hit in digital downloads, making Universal $100 million in rental fees since April 10th. So good that uh, it was so good that NBC Universal CEO, Jeff Scholl, told the Wall Street Journal that, quote, exceeded our expectations and demonstrated the viability of on-demand video, unquote. And that when theaters open, they expect to release the re- expect to release things in both formats, implying that it would be released in theaters and in digital at the same time. Now, in response to those remarks, AMC will, quote, no longer play any Universal movies in any of our theaters in the United States, Europe, or the Middle East, unquote. AMC has also added that this was no idle threat. So if AMC is your only option for theater movies, I'd start writing those emails today if you want to see the next Fast and Furious movie next year. Now, also joining AMC in this Universal boycott is Regal Entertainment, parent company, Cineworld group, in a statement said, quote, Cineworld's policy with respect to the window is clear, well known in the industry, and is part of our commercial deal with our movie suppliers. We invest heavily in our cinemas across the globe, and this allows the movie studios to provide customers all around the world to watch the movies in the best experience. There is no argument that the big screen is the best way to watch a movie. Univer- unquote. Universal, unilaterally, Uh, uh, And they continue. Universal unilaterally chose to break our understanding and did so at the height of the COVID-19 crisis when our business was closed. More than 35,000 employees are at home. And when we do not yet have a clear date for the reopening of our cinemas, Universal's move is completely inappropriate and certainly has nothing to do with good faith business practice, partnership, and transparency, Well it it kind of sounds like uh, the theater companies are just getting scared uh they're seeing you know they they've they're seeing that oh what they've shunted all this stuff to digital and we're not getting anything for you know for from from anything so you know i'm i'm sure they'll they'll work this out you know either you know a short a short window in in movie theaters like say a month and then you put on digital, you know, something like that. I think would probably, you know, work out great for everyone. Now, from movie showing to movie making, Ryan Reynolds and Sean Levy are reteaming to it for a new untitled time travel adventure for Skydance. According to the Hollywood Reporter, the movie, which originally was called Our Name Is Adam, will see Reynolds' character traveling back in time to help his 13-year-old self. Together, they encounter their late father, who is the same age as Reynolds. The story is written by Jonathan Trooper, and the movie has been in and out of development at Skydance and Paramount since 2012, when it had Tom Cruise in the lead role. Now, time travel seems to be really popular. Uh, James Wan and Don Murphy are re-teaming to -to up-to-adapt Hunting Season, a sci-fi time travel story by Frank M. Robinson. The script will be written by Derek Kolstad, and who wrote the who wrote the John Wick franchise Hunting Season follows the story of a law officer from the future who's declared an enemy of the state and is sentenced to be executed by being sent into the past and stalked by a posse The movie the man is given a 3-day head start to acclimate to the new time and find a way to sur- to survive You know it kind of sounds like a Looper doesn't it I, I yeah I'm hoping that you know it's something more than more than just Looper with the Running Man added to it. Hey, look kids, Orville news! The Orville Season 3 is still on its way, coming to Hulu, and Jonathan Frakes has heard only good things. However, he won't be directing this season, revealing to ComicBook.com that star and creator Seth MacFarlane and producing director John Cesar will direct every episode of the season. However... Friggs is hoping to get to play in an acting way, saying, quote, I keep waiting for a phone call. I am available. I've got a beard. I would just like to be just like I hoped and dreamed of being on The Big Bang Theory. So there's certain things, the absurdity factor, like the Pez dispensers and the garden gnomes, certain benchmarks we all want to reach, unquote. Now, maybe I should bug uh, Tom Costantino about that and see if he can make something happen. Or maybe we should all just bug him on Twitter. HBO is working on a brand new series based on the Hellraiser movies. The show would come from writers Mark Verheiden and Michael Doherty and David David Gordon Green. Now this is separate from the movie reboot of the franchise that's coming from Spyglass Media. The show will be a continuation and expansion of the film series. So take that for what you will. And finally tonight, we say goodbye to actor Gene Dynarski. Gene made a few appearances in the Star Trek franchise, first appearing as minor Ben Childress in Mudd's Women, then playing Krodak in The Mark of Gideon. He would return on The Next Generation as Commander Quinteros in the episode 11001001. His other roles include appearances in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Duel, an episode of Batman, as well as si- and also as Seinfeld, The X Files, The Eighteen, Little House on the Prairie, and much, much more. He passed away in a rehabilitation center in Studio City, California, on February twenty seventh. He was eighty six years old. We also say farewell to actor Sam Lloyd, best known for his role of Ted on Scrubs and Cougar Town. He passed away at the uh, he passed away on April thirtieth. He will be best known to genre fans for roles in 1997's Flubber and Galaxy Quest. He also had roles on dozens of shows, from Night Court, The Seinfelds, The Drew Carey Show, The Third Rock from the Sun, The West Wing, Modern Family, and many, many more, usually playing a very deadpan character. Sam was also an accomplished singer, singing in an acapella group, The Blanks, and a Beatles tribute band called The Buddies this past January he was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor which also became metastatic lung lung cancer this spread to his liver spine and jaw he is survived by his wife Vanessa his one-year-old son Weston and his uncle Christopher Lloyd he was 56 years old and that will bring us to the end of the sci-fi news now be sure to check us out on social media we're at Twitter at Multiverse Tom. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as well. And if you'd like to contribute some money, please visit mtpodcast.com to go to our coffee, our Patreon, and now glow.fm links as well. And just go you can just go to Multiverse Tonight and hit the support me link at the top of the page. And be sure to visit multiverse and check out the affiliate marketplace links, the link to our TeePublic Public store now with face masks and so much more and if you're a subscriber be sure to share us with your friends and if you're brand new to the show please be sure to subscribe and leave us with some feedback and let us know how we're how i'm doing now special thanks to shane ivers for the intro music and lobo loco for our outro theme music thanks for watching the sci-fi edition of multiverse tonight we'll be back in two weeks with the We'll be back in a couple days with the comic book edition. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new sci-fi edition. Now, please, exit the universe in an orderly fashion. Good night. Multiverse Tonight is a production of half big Genre Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. the comic book edition.